I was scheduled actually to teach the, the midweek service uh, two weeks from now, but uh, Pastor John's sick, so we're going to say a prayer for him. And he asked if I could step in. I said yes. He said, Do you have anything planned? I said no. I said, We'll see what happens. And, um, you know, I called up Shane because we had some ideas for the, for the worship. And, you know, that we were going to do two weeks from now. And uh, he, he was able to whip together this band and practice and everything. So can we give it up to the band? It, they didn't have much time to practice. So that was, that was awesome. Um, those songs actually were really special. Um, just, uh, just a few weeks ago, um, Brittany and I received some, some difficult news. And um, I, I was at summer camp, and on the way back, um, I'm just in tears, just kind of crying like a little baby, and uh, uh, there was some songs that God really put in my heart to give me hope, and um, how many of you guys believe in the power of music that, you know, God's spirit, when he's behind it, man, it, it, it can just be an incredible experience, and and so a lot of the songs that we picked for tonight are the songs that God spoke to me um, as I'm driving from San Diego back home, my eyes full of water. I'm probably a danger to the road, but uh, I made it safely. And, um, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit about that. If you have your Bible, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 3 through 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And the title of my message is, It's Worth the Risk. And we're going to talk about taking risks in our lives. How many of you guys would consider yourself a risk taker? You know, growing up or even now, somebody dares you to do something. You're the one who does it. You enjoy the, the rush of adrenaline. Um, you, you know, some of us just are, are addicted to things like that. Um, I tended to be uh, that kid growing up. Um, you know, I, I enjoyed uh, the risk of, you know, uh, doing extreme sports. I, I grew up snowboarding and skateboarding and things like that. And uh, just enjoyed, um, I, I was the guy that, you know, would be dared to do stuff, and I would, I would do it. And now it's all come full circle, because now I get to work with teenagers, and I get to tell them what to do, and they go and do it, and it's really funny. Um, so anyways, uh, you know, I, I was the kid, oh, Brian, you should go ask that girl out. And I'm like, okay, sure, you know, and, and, and I would take those risks. Um, but, you know, those risks sometimes came with its own consequences, like when the girl turned me down, um, which happened more than once in my life, um, including my wife, first time I asked her out, but uh, I tell that story too much. Um, <laughs> you know, I've, I've gotten a bunch of injuries growing up from, <laughs> from all the skateboarding and snowboarding accidents. Um, you know, I have a separated shoulder to this day, you know, all the ligaments were torn from the, my collarbone to my shoulder bone. Um, I, I, I injured it while I was on the mountain, and I drove from the mountain down to the hospital myself uh, just in excruciating pain. It was literally the dumbest thing I've ever done in my life and uh, made it somehow. My mom was a nurse at that hospital, and uh, she fixed me up. So, you know, risks can have consequences, but I want to talk about a different type of risk-taking. Uh, one that might even be a little bit more challenging. It, it's not a risk of adrenaline. It's more of a risk of affliction. I want to talk about risk-taking when there's pain in our lives. 
risk-taking when we're vulnerable, risk-taking when it hurts so much that stepping out of our comfort zone is the last thing that we want to do. Most of us are afraid of taking risks like that, but I'm here to challenge you that it's worth the risk. Before we pray, would you turn to two neighbors next to you and just tell them it's worth the risk? It's worth the risk. It's worth the risk. Except if you're over in the corner, you could just shout it at somebody. You can shout it back at me. It's worth the risk. All right. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for this evening. Thank you for uh, the risks, God, that you took for us. I mean, you... You were such a risk junkie <laughs> that you gave your own life. And I don't say that tongue in cheek. I, I mean that. I mean, Jesus, you suffered hell itself on the cross for us. The judgment of, of eternal torment you endured at the cross just to show us how much you love us. And you're all-knowing, and you know, you know who's going to choose you and who isn't. But, but in one sense, you took a risk by going to the cross. There was no guarantee that all of mankind would, would repent and receive the free gift of eternal life. But for you, God, it was worth the risk, even if just a few people, even if just some people responded, it was worth the risk. And God, you have taken so many risks, in a sense, for us. Lord, you call us to do the same. Lord, you call us to use our pain as a microphone. You call us to make ourselves vulnerable so that we can have compassion for others. Because people aren't looking for leaders who are always right. People are looking for leaders who are always real. People they can relate to people who are authentic. And God, that's who you're calling us to be in this generation. Authentic bearers of the gospel, not perfect people. Just authentic, sincere people that have the light of Jesus inside of us. So God, as we are praying in the green room with the worship team, God, we believe that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom and God, we believe your presence is here. And when your presence is here, your power is as well. And so God, that your power is available for those that need to be set free from affliction, those that need to be set free from shame and hurt and guilt, those that need to be set free from bitterness, those that have been harboring pain for so many years, God, they can be set free tonight in Jesus' name because we believe there is power in your name. And when those call on the name of the Lord, they will be saved saved from their afflictions, saved from their pain, saved from their sin. Jesus, we're asking that you would send your Holy Spirit. Set us free, God. Break our chains tonight. We pray that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Sorry if I get emotional. Uh, this is gonna be a little raw for me. We're gonna be in 2 Corinthians chapter one, starting in verse three. Um, the Apostle Paul is writing his most, or he's writing a letter to his most dysfunctional church. 
You know, there's cliques, there's divisions, there's egos, things that never happen today in our churches. Um, but, you know, there were, in this church, there were even church leaders sleeping with their mother-in-laws. So, I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what kind of church this was, but the Apostle Paul wrote a lot of letters to them, planted that church, was very patient with them. And teachers had come in that were trying to disqualify Paul, and they, they were coming in with their resumes, their recommendations, their degrees, saying that he lacked the true knowledge of the gospel. However, Paul, who was literally laying his life down for the sake of the gospel, risking his neck for the sake of Jesus, he chose not to use his education, his experience, and his understanding to defend himself. And you better believe he had every right to do that as an apostle. He had more education than them. He had more experience than them. And he could have went that road. But instead of using his might, he chose to use his misery. And I hope I'm speaking to somebody today. I'm hope, I hope I'm speaking to somebody that doesn't have it all figured out, that doesn't have their life all put together, and maybe doesn't have might that they can use for their ministry, but they do have misery that God has used to strengthen you and to help you become who you are today. Paul used his misery as a microphone to magnify God's message. And he can do the same thing for you and me. Let me put it another way. Pain isn't an obstacle for God to use you. It's an opportunity to be used like never before. Come on, somebody give me an amen. <laughs> yeah, you, you guys can definitely clap. Don't give me the golf clap stuff. Come on, give me the church clap. <laughs> give me the, you, you know, you believe what you're hearing clap. I don't, I don't know where we got to a point where we can't get excited in church, you know. I mean, we're, we're going through the book of Revelation with uh, our teenagers, man. And when we see these visions of heaven, we got, we got angels falling on their face. They're shouting. They're praising. You know, I don't know how we decided in church we can't do those things. But I think we need to get a little more heavenly in our worship and in our response to his word. So why don't you give him a shout of praise like you mean it. There you go. Amen. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3, it starts by saying, blessed, blessed. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Man, we could just, we could just stay there all night. Paul starts out by saying, blessed be God the Father. Blessed, it expresses adoration and praise for God. In fact, it's a, it's, a, it's a Jewish praise formula. It's still used today called the baracha. Now, let me get some water here. Try that again. You don't know, you got to understand the Hebrew language here. The baracha. There it is. Why don't, you, why don't you tell somebody next to you, why don't you go ahead and try it. Try it on them. Say the baracha. The baracha. Yeah, ha. <laughs> I took a year of Hebrew. Uh, I don't know where it is. It's, I lost it. Um, it's, it's a praise formula where you, you start the song by praising God and you finish, God, finish the song by praising God. And I think that's a great way to have our mind 
um, is to begin our day praising God, finish our day praising God. doesn't matter what task we set out to do, begin and end by praising him. It goes on to say in verse four, who comforts us in all of our affliction. I wanna take a few moments here. The word comfort, your translation might say consolation. Um, in, in Greek, it's parakaleo. It's, it's actually repeated 10 times in these four verses. In verses three through seven, Paul uses the word comfort 10 times. Now, comfort doesn't refer to um, an ease of pain or softness here. Um, the, the Greek word actually means to come alongside to help. Um, it, it's not removing us from our pain. It's God coming and getting involved with our pain and suffering alongside us and strengthening, strengthening us through that pain. It's the same word used for the Holy Spirit um, in John 14, we call him the comforter. Um, our English word for comfort, believe it or not, comes from two Latin words meaning with strength. Comfort is a choice to rest under God's control. Comfort is not a feeling. It can sometimes be an attitude, but more importantly, comfort is a choice to rest under God's control. God comforts us in all of our affliction. There are 10 words for suffering in the Greek language, and Paul uses five of them in this second letter to the Corinthians. It's his most real and raw letter of all of the New Testament letters that he wrote. And the most frequently used word that Paul used is thlipsis which means a crushing pressure or a narrow confinement. I mean, just the descriptions kind of give you chills a little bit, you know, like a crushing pressure. You know, it gives the idea of like the mill back, back in, you know, Hebrew time, they, they had this mill that, that weighed thousands of pounds and it, and it would crush grapes or it would crush grain. And that's the word that Paul is using here for affliction that we face in life. You just feel crushed on all sides like the world is just crashing down on top of you or, or narrow confinement. I mean, some of us, you know, are claustrophobic and the idea of being in a narrowly in a narrow place with no way out would, would be terrifying. And sometimes we feel that way, you know, the pressure of life and the difficulties that we're going through, we just feel like we're confined, we're restricted uh, on every side, just the freedom to love and worship God and enjoy life the way it was attended just seems to, to have been removed from our life. And so Paul uses these terms to describe affliction and tribulation and trouble that he faces. Affliction refers to both outward circumstances and inward struggles. If you think Paul is just maybe feeling sorry for himself or uh, maybe just being dramatic, um, turn with me to chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians and let's quickly look at some of Paul's afflictions that he faced. Um, you know, we could, we could maybe even match these up in our minds with some of our afflictions. And I'm not here to, to say anything we've gone through um, is not serious and God doesn't care about it because he does. But, 
when Paul says he's been afflicted, you got to really understand uh, what he means by that. If, you, if we start in verse 23, Paul says, are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I'm talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments. I mean, we could stop there. How many of us have been in prison for our faith? With countless beatings and often near death, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. You guys, you guys realize Jesus endured that once. I'm not saying Paul was stronger than Jesus, but I'm just giving you a comparison here. Jesus endured that once. Paul, five times, received the, the, the lashing where, you know, the, uh, the end of, of these, uh, these whips had, had sharp, sharp, uh, you know, uh, pieces of bone and pieces of rock, and, and it would tear into your back and, and just rip open the flesh, and it would, it would cut organs and things like that. Five times he endured that. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Rocks, not drugs, okay? Just <laughs> clarify, okay? Three times... I was shipwrecked. A night and a day, I was adrift at sea. I mean, could, can you just picture that? A night and a day just, just being out in the sea, you know, just, no food, no water, you know, you're just drifting there for over 24 hours. Um, on frequent journeys, in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, dangers from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and, in, and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is we? Am I not weak? Who is made to fall? Am I not indignant? Can we just, can we just take a moment and, and just say sorry to God for <laughs> sometimes thinking our struggles, you know, are bigger maybe than they really are? And again, I'm not making light of, of the pain and the, and the things that we've gone through, but when Paul says God will comfort us in our affliction, He's really experienced it. He really knows what it means to be comforted by God. In all of those moments, God was with him, strengthening him. And so he goes on to say in verse four, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. You see, in times of suffering, most of us, are prone to think only of ourselves and to forget others. I, I, I'm the first one to admit that. You know, when I'm suffering, I'm thinking about myself. I'm thinking about my own pain and, and, and my own emotions. Um, very little am I thinking about other people who are hurting as well. And what happens is we, we become broken cisterns. You know, our, our hearts and our emotions you know, instead of being held together by the grace and power of God, they begin to break and burst and, you know, we begin to fall apart a little bit on the inside, but that's, that's not what God intends for us. He, he doesn't want us to be broken cisterns that are leaking. He wants us to be bursting channels where the love of God and, and, and the comfort with which he's given us is being poured out into others. 
And that's actually one of God's primary purposes for us suffering is so that one, we can experience his comfort and two, so that we can comfort others. Now, comfort from God is not the end of itself. You know, sometimes we think that when we're afflicted, the goal is to be comforted, and, and that's it. But according to this verse, comfort is a gift from God, and it's a gift that he wants us to pay forward. And he wants us to freely give that gift to somebody else who is also in need. And the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. You know, if you've never struggled with alcoholism, you're probably gonna have a hard time having compassion for an alcoholic. You know, if you've never struggled with pornography, you're probably gonna have a hard time being compassionate for someone who's struggling with pornography. And we could go on and on down the list. You know, I remember when I was a, when I was a teenager, and I had already made some mistakes, and I remember being in a purity conference, and it was, it was one of those purity conferences where the whole point is to say, like, sex is evil, don't do it. If you have sex, you'll get a disease and die. You know, it was like one of those, um, you know, presentations, and um, Everyone, everyone sitting around me, you know, was just like shouting out these these amens, or and they were doing it in a judgmental and a condemning way, basically putting down anybody who had made a mistake in those areas, you know. And I'm just sitting there, you know, just feeling like nothing, feeling like I want to disappear, I want to sink, you know, underneath my chair because I feel so small compared to everybody else because they got the, their, their perfect lives and, and this area of purity, they have it all in order. And, you know, I've, you know, and I had made mistakes at that point and, you know, I, I felt so small because of them. It's the, that's the opposite attitude, the opposite heart of what God wants us to have. And so oftentimes God will put us through difficult circumstances so that we can have more compassion for others. And I think there's a big crossover there. You know, Brittany and I have, have gone through a lot of difficulty with, with pregnancies and we've had a lot of loss when, when it comes to that. So not only do we have compassion for others who have, who have lost children, but we just have compassion in general for people who are hurting. You know, it, it just kind of crosses over. Like, God just breaks your heart for people. And, and you know, the, the same pain that you've gone through, even though it's not the same circumstance, you can relate to their pain. You can relate to their hurt. And, you know, I'm, I, you know I, I, I don't want to say God's plan wasn't perfect. I, I fully believe in it. I, you know, part of me wishes some of the things we've gone through never happened. But at the same point, at the same time, it's, it's gotten me to this point where now I can be compassionate, you know, more compassionate towards those who are in need. And that's something that I would never want to give back. You know, I'm so grateful that, that God has done that for me. And so verse five, I want to say a few things about, and then I'm going to share a few thoughts. Verse five says, for as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ, we share abundantly in comfort 
too. And what Paul is trying to say here is the more we suffer, the more we share in his strength. The more we suffer, the more we share in his strength. And I was thinking about suffering a little bit and God kind of gave me this, this, uh, this idea about it. Suffering kind of comes in, in two ways. Suffering can be self-caused. You know, we make our own bad decisions, we make our own poor choices, and we suffer the consequences, we reap what we sow. And then suffering can just be circumstantial. Other people can cause suffering in our lives, or just circumstances can cause suffering in our lives. And I was thinking about the two, you know, the self-caused suffering and then the circumstantial suffering, and I started to think about Jesus, because I, I started to think about his own suffering, and I realized that all of Jesus' suffering is circumstantial. All of it. None of his suffering, none of his pain is self-caused. Because he's sinless, he's perfect, he never made any mistakes, he never reaped what he sowed you know, in wicked things. He, he always sowed towards righteousness, so all of his suffering was circumstantial. All of his suffering came at the hands of other people. And it, it just got me thinking for those of us that, you know, we, we, we wonder, God, why me? Why am I going through this? You know, why, why not somebody else? You know, I, I remember my aunt when, you know, she, she has terminal cancer and she's asking that question. Why? Why is God doing this to me? What have I done wrong? Why have these circumstances been placed upon me? And it just got me thinking that Jesus knows exactly what you're going through because all of his suffering has been circumstantial as well. He could say the same thing. Why me? Why am I going through this? And so he knows what you're going through. Even if it's things that you feel like nobody else is going through, Jesus understands because all of his affliction was placed on him. He brought none of it upon himself. And I want to I wanna spend the rest of our time talking about why we don't take risks. Why we don't use pain as a microphone to magnify God's message. And I think there's three reasons why we fail to take risks. And if you're taking notes, I encourage you to jot these down. Three reasons why we fail to take risks because of the wounds that we've experienced. Number one, and these are lies that the enemy tells us and we believe them so often. Number one, we tell ourselves, my wounds disqualify me. My wounds disqualify me from ministry. You know, God only uses those who, who always seem to have it together. The rest of us are just damaged goods. You know, we're, we're, just, we're just rejects. You know, only those that have their lives put together, have, who have it all figured out, they're the only ones who can be used by God. All of my brokenness, all, all of my affliction, it's, it's disqualified me. Well, if that were the case, if that were true, if your wounds disqualify you from ministry, then Jesus would have been disqualified as well. Because it says in Isaiah 53, he was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. He was despised and rejected by men. He, under, he, he, he was afflicted. He, he was a man of sorrow. 
If anybody would be disqualified because of their wounds, it would be Jesus. But you see, Jesus' wounds did not disqualify him from ministry. They defined him. It did the exact opposite. Instead of disqualifying him, it actually magnified his ministry. It says in Isaiah 53, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And by his wounds, we are healed. Jesus' greatest hurt gave us our greatest healing. His wounds did not disqualify him. His wounds defined him. His greatest hurt gave us our greatest healing. So I I kind of alluded earlier to to an experience Brittany and I went through a few weeks ago. As as a lot of you know, Brittany and I have have three kids and, and we love them to death. Um, we hate them sometimes because they're crazy and psychotic and we lack patience and things like that, but um, that's our flesh speaking. We, we, <laughs> we love them. We, we, we have three amazing kids, but uh, we, we've also lost some kids along the way. And, um, you know, recently um, we, we, we lost our son Elijah. Uh, Brittany was about halfway through the pregnancy you know, we already knew the gender and, we, you know, we already had the gender reveal party. We were so excited and, you know, we ended up losing Elijah. And that, that was a real painful moment for us. And since then, we, you know, God has taught us a lot about, about hurt and how to heal and how to have hope. And uh, it, it's been a really interesting experience to go through. And God has done a mighty work in us. And uh, so, so recently, I'm at summer camp and... I'm kind of having a bad day. Some things are going wrong. And uh, Brittany gives me a call. And it, it, it was weird because before she, she gave me this call, um, we were singing a song in chapel. And, and it was the song that we sang earlier, Give Me Faith. And as I'm singing the song, I'm almost, I'm almost getting a sense that, that these are prophetic words that I'm singing, that, that God is preparing me for something where I'm going to need to trust him, where I'm going to be crying out to him to give me faith. And, you know, I'm going to feel broken inside and, and I'm going to need him. And, and I didn't know why, but I started to sing, you know, just believing that God was preparing me for something. And then I got that phone call later and Brittany's in tears and I knew something was wrong. And we hadn't told a lot of people, but, you know, she, uh, she had gotten pregnant a couple of weeks before that. And, uh, you know, only a f- select few people knew because, you know, we, the hurt that we've experienced already, we, were, you know, didn't want to make this big, big announcement yet. We were kind of holding it off. And she gave me that call and said, Brian, I'm, I lost the baby. I, you know, I'm miscarrying, you know, and, 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 and I'm like, and, and what, what she said was, how come this always happens when you're gone? <laughs> you know, because it seems like every time this happens, I'm, I'm at a conference, I'm at a camp or something like that. And, and so I decided I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the right thing this time and, and I'm going to leave, I'm going to drop what I'm doing now and I'm going to pack my bags and I'm going to head home. I'm going to talk to my leaders, you know, and let them handle the rest of the camp. And they did and they did an amazing job. And the reason I'm bringing all of this up 
is because there was a young man on staff with Hume Lake who, who just went above and beyond to help us. I mean, he, he was... He, he, he's not married, he didn't have any kids, but he's just encouraging us, encouraging me, giving me scripture. He went up to my room, helped me pack. He was driving me back and forth to talk to the, the other Hume Lake staff, and he was just going out of his way. And, 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 and I'm, just, I'm just in pain, and I'm hurting, and I just want to get home and, and be with Brittany. And I could have I let that pain, I could have just disqualified myself. I, I could have just focused inwardly and shut him out, but, but I, I was just so impressed with what he was doing. And so uh, right before I was leaving, I, I just said, hey, I, I want to pray for you. And I, and I laid hands on him, and, and God just began to give me this, this word over him. I mean, prophetic words were coming out of my mouth, just like a vision for his future, you know, the calling that God had on his life, like things I didn't even know was inside of me were coming out of me, and I'm sharing this for him, and and, and he was just, he began to be in tears, and it, it was just this amazing moment, and, and it, just, it just got me thinking, what if I had been selfish? What if I had disqualified myself just saying I'm wounded, you know, and just, and just shut, my, shut everybody out and, and shut my emotions in and didn't reach out to him? You know, maybe I wouldn't have been able to speak into his life and, and do that. And he thanked me so many times and, and we've stayed in touch since then. And, and he said, man, that was one of the most powerful moments of my whole life. When, when you prayed over me because God spoke through you in such a powerful way. And I, 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 just, I just say that because so many of us, we believe that lie, that lie that we're disqualified because of our wounds, and it's not true. The opposite is true. God wants to use those wounds. God wants to use that pain to show his power. He wants to come alongside you and comfort you so that you can be a comfort to somebody else. A second lie that we believe because of our wounds, we, we don't take risks. The second lie is this. We say, my wounds divide me. My wounds divide me. You know, we, we believe that our, that our wounds divide us from the, from the rest of the world. We, f- we feel like second-class citizens when we're hurting. We, we feel like outcasts. We feel like untouchables. Or for some of us, Maybe we haven't gone through a lot of difficulty yet in life, and so we, we feel like second-class citizens because we can't relate to those who are hurting. You know, we can't relate to those who have gone through something traumatic or something really difficult. And as I read Scripture, something begins to form in my mind, and, 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 and I want to share it with you, and it's this. As believers, our wounds shouldn't divide us because our worship should unite us. Our wounds shouldn't divide us because our worship should unite us, be, unite us because there's only one name under heaven by which men can be saved. We're all together in this room because of one name. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither rich nor poor. There's neither male nor female. There's there's neither broken or healed. We are all one in Jesus Christ. The Bible even says every knee will bow 
in heaven, on earth, and under the earth at the name of Jesus. From, from the famous to the faithless, we are all together under one name, and his name is Jesus. And since we are all one, then we are unified as well. And Jesus says we are one body. And one body means we are together. We are in it together. If one member hurts, we all hurt. If one member rejoices, we all rejoice because we are better together. Come on, somebody give me a shout of praise. Give the Lord a shout of praise. Don't give me a shout of praise. <laughs> Just want to make sure you guys are still awake. Come on, tell somebody next to you we're better together. Come on, remind them. We are better together. You know, our wounds shouldn't divide us because our worship unites us. I want to step on a couple toes, okay? Stepping on my own toes a little bit here. But recently, our country has gone through some, some racial tension. And, and we're all aware of it. We all have different opinions about it. And, and I just want to share an experience that, that I've had and you know, I'm not here to tell you your, what your political position should be or, or whatever, but I just want to share an experience that I've had. I, 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 have, I have friends in, you know, in the black community that just have been really hurt. You know, hurt in a way that I don't understand. And before, I didn't, I didn't get that. You know, I, I just kind of had the typical mindset, I guess, of, you know, why are they always making things about race? You know, why are they always complaining about race, you know? But going back to what I said earlier, if you've never been an alcoholic, you can't have compassion on somebody who struggles with it. And so being somebody who, who's white, who, who, who hasn't experienced a lot of racism in my life, obviously I'm going to have a hard time understanding that. But, but, but over the past couple of years, God has been kind of softening my heart. And, and instead of being quick to speak, God's been telling me to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to share my opinions, and instead listen to somebody else with a different opinion. And it, it got to a point where um, when the shootings went down in Dallas and, and in, in other places, and I was hurt, and, and my, Brittany and I, we were on vacation during this time, and I called one of my friends. He, he, was, uh, he was the best man in my wedding, and I called him up, and I said, Dominic, man, I don't, I don't know what, you know what your opinions are on everything that's happened with the shootings, but I just want you to, I just want you to know, man, that I'm, I'm sorry for any hurt you're going through. And not only that, I'm sorry for how some of our friends have responded on social media and some of the ignorance that they've shared and just the lack of compassion, the insensitivity. I just want you to know, I'm really sorry, man. And he didn't say much then. And, um, you know, I hung up the phone. And later that day, he sent me this, like, text. You know those texts where it, like, comes in, like, four different pieces 
you know, because like it's like maxes out the words. Like he sent me one of those and he said, Brian, you are literally the only friend who called me to ask me how I was doing. You're literally the only friend who said you were sorry, you know, for, for what's happening and all of that. And he's like, I am so grateful for you, man. And, and I, don't, I don't say that to, to puff myself up because God's, you know, God's had to break me in a, lot of, in a lot of my pride and he's still doing it. And there was another ca- occasion that, that that next week there, there was somebody in our church and I went up to her and I, and I kind of said the same thing. I said, hey, with everything going on, how are you doing? Are you okay? You know, I'm, I'm really sorry. You know, I'm sorry for the way people have reacted to this and some of the opinions that are being shared. You know, I'm sorry if there's any hurt inside of you. And right then and there, she began to break down crying and I started to tear up and we prayed together. And she later wrote me this email, this long email saying the same thing. Brian, you're literally the only person that said, how are you doing? Are you hurting? I'm sorry you're going through this. She's like, I'm just so thankful. And and I bring that up again to just say our wounds, our wounds shouldn't divide us. Our worship should unite us. Jesus is healing all of us. We all come from different walks of life. We all come in with different baggage and we always think other people's sins are worse than our own, but we are all the same. We are all sinners before a holy God who have been saved by God's grace alone. Not of works, not of our own efforts, lest any man should boast. We are truly in this together and we are better together. We're better when we're close together. We're better when we're listening. We're better when we're showing compassion to each other. I mean, how do you think the world looks at the church when they see us arguing with each other over racial issues, over political opinions? Do you think that's going to win anybody over to Jesus? I mean, a lot of you guys were here Sunday night and, and, and you saw worship, right, under one house, and there was one name that was being praised, and it, there was different styles, and there was different people and different personalities, but it all came together because we've all been saved by the same Lord. So how dare us divide ourselves because we think somebody else's sin is worse than ours? How dare us be filled with so much pride Because God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Come on, do I got any people in this room that want to be filled with grace, that want to be filled with mercy and compassion for other people? And the last reason, the last lie that the enemy tells us, and I I just want to encourage you to take a risk. We tell ourselves, my wounds discourage me. Man, my wounds discourage me. Many of us believe our wounds discourage us really to the point of despair. And we think our despair makes us unfit to fulfill our God-given destiny. I just want to encourage you. Let's look again at our text and read it one more time. It says in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 3, it says, 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort as well. We have to set our minds on God in the midst of our misery. He is our infinite source of comfort and compassion. The more we look beyond ourselves, the more God can expand our hearts and heal our hearts. You know, the, instead of having a, a broken cistern of a heart, we, we, we can have these, these bursting channels where our, our heart can be full of the grace and mercy of God. And I want, I want to just remind you of one thing because sometimes our, our, our pain, our, our despair can be so overwhelming. I just want to remind you of one thing. Love is simple. Love is simple. Love is so much more simple than we make it out to be. We were at a conference last week, and we were listening to this guy, and the other speakers, they, they, you know, they were more eloquent, and they were more gifted and talented, and you know, they could sing and preach at the same time and do all these crazy things, and, and he's just a normal guy. You know, he didn't come up there with a great outfit on, just, just a normal, you know, regular guy, and he just began to share his normal experiences of loving people but he, believing in a supernatural God. And he said when he did natural things, believing in a supernatural God, the miraculous began to happen around him. And he began to share story after story of, of miraculous healings and, and miraculous encounters that he would have with people. And we're talking simple things. We're talking people walking by the street and seeing a homeless person and walking around them or looking at them with disdain and he would just walk up to them and just ask them their name and that would completely change that person's life. Just asking them their name, asking them about their life. And, and he said, uh, you, you know, one guy in particular, it, it took 15 minutes and $5 at Starbucks to prevent a guy from committing suicide literally wanted to commit suicide on the streets, thought everybody had abandoned him and given up on him, and a stranger with a heart of love came up to him and spent 15 minutes and $5 and saved somebody's life. Love is simple. It's so much more simple than we think. He shared another story of his daughter because he's passed this legacy on with, to his kids. And he shares this story of his daughter. They're out eating dinner, and uh, his little 10-year-old daughter uh, sees this big uh, party of people. They're having what looks like maybe a birthday for, for somebody, you know, table, like 20 people there. And this little 10-year-old girl gets up. She's sitting with her up and, and over to this other table here and, and goes to a lady who's sitting down. She's in a wheelchair, older lady, older lady, and she's sitting in a wheelchair. You could tell she, you know, has an oxygen mask on. You could tell she has health problems and all that. And this little 10-year-old girl just goes up to her and says, hey, why are you in a wheelchair? What, what's in your nose? 
You know, just like just like a child would would do. And 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 the and the lady was was kind. She was she was gracious to the girl. And she's like, oh, you know, I have I have this disease, and I have leukemia, and I have all these health problems, and you know, I I have to be in this wheelchair, and you know, I'm I'm not going to live very much longer. I have a few weeks to live, or something like that. And she's like, the little girl's like, well, you know that Jesus wants to heal you, right? Like, can I pray for you that he would heal you and, and you, you, would, you would be healthy and be able to live your life? And, and the grandma was like, oh, sure, sure. And so the little 10-year-old just lays her hand on, on this, interrupts the whole dinner. You know, all the family members are there, interrupts the whole thing, right? Lays hand, just prays a simple prayer. You know, dear Jesus, heal this lady, whatever her sickness is, whatever disease is, just heal her. You love her and show her how much you love her. In Jesus' name, amen. And, and just like walks off with all the confidence in the world. You know, like, like only, only a kid with childlike faith would have, right? And here's the crazy part about the story is, is the speaker, you know, who's sharing this story, it's his daughter. And he's like, a few weeks later, I bump into a guy, and a guy, and this guy comes up to me and says, "Hey, is your name Scott? Uh, are you one of the pastors at you know this so and so church?" And he's like, "Yeah, yeah," and he's like, um, "I got to tell you something. A few weeks ago, I saw you at dinner, and and your daughter came up to to my grandmother, or to my mother, and um, I want you to know that my 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 mother she's she's not a nice person. She she's got a lot of anger, a lot of bitterness in her life, and she's really bitter for the things that she's gone through. And um, she really doesn't open up about her pain and, and about her struggles. And um, there, there's a couple of things though that she's just like her heart is so soft towards. She you know just can't help herself. And and it's little kittens and and and, and little children. You know, and she was, her heart was so melted by, by your daughter coming up that that's why she shared the things that she shared. And I just want you to know that we just got back from the doctor's office and my mom has been healed. <laughs> your 10-year-old daughter with her childlike faith, believing in a supernatural God, prayed a normal prayer, but believed in a supernatural God, and, the, and, and a miraculous thing began to happen. And he's like, I am so thankful for your daughter's simple faith. You see, love is simple, you guys. After we heard that, man, we, we as a leadership team, we've been so encouraged to do that. Recently, we were, um, we were at Farmer Boys, and, and there was a, a homeless guy sitting there, and I'm telling you, any other day, I would have just saw him and just got in my car and, and went off. But, but after hearing Scott speak on how love is simple, man, I, I went up to him and we began to talk with him and we, we, we began to just, you know, tell him God loves him and, and all of this stuff. And he begins to open up. He begins to share and he begins to, you know, tell us how he wants to be free. He wants to get better. He wants to get healthy. And there's a few of us there and I wouldn't recommend this on a normal under normal circumstances, but we, we got him in our car and we drove him over to a rehab center and we sat him down with some people and he was overjoyed and, 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 and you know, there was some issue with him wanting to leave and come back, you know, he wasn't there all mentally, but he, he was there and, and I'm telling you, it took maybe 30 minutes out of our day 
And uh, we, we basically took somebody off the streets and got them the help that they needed. And we don't know what God will do with it, but I'm just telling you, love is simple. Love is, lo- love is simple acts like that. It's, it's, it's opening the door for people. It's going up to somebody and just asking how they're doing. Love is simple. And so don't let your wounds discourage you. I want to ask Shane and uh, whoever's doing worship to, to come up. We're going we're gonna to close with, with one more song. And I want you guys to sing with faith, especially as we sing this next chorus. You know, God hasn't, God hasn't called us to safe living. <laughs> Amen. Faith in God is, it's an adventure. It's, it's sometimes dangerous. Um, Jesus promises we will be comforted, but he doesn't promise we'll be comfortable. You know, he never promises we'll be comfortable in life. He just promises to comfort us in our affliction. And I, and I really believe God gives his toughest assignments to his most trusted soldiers. And Brittany and I, we've, we've, we've now gone through f- four miscarriages, three in a row, and five, four in a row. And uh, I mean, if there's a reason to just want to give up, I mean, we have it. And we've talked about it. We've talked about, man, maybe, maybe I should just get fixed and be, be done with it, and you know, we don't have to worry. We don't have to, you know, there's the potential for, for a miscarriage again, you know, and why, why risk going through something like that again? And the chorus we're about to sing, you know, God has just been speaking to my heart. And the song we sang earlier, that we believe in a God of miracles. You know, that, that was written by a couple that had lost their son after they had prayed for his healing and it didn't happen. But they still believe in a God of miracles. You know, we don't understand everything God does. And we can't and we won't. But we can't take him at his word. That he is a God who wants to do miraculous things in our lives. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's done miracles in the past, he still wants to do miracles today. And, and, And that's been so impressed on my heart that as we were singing that song one time, I laid my hands on Brittany and I just began to pray for a miracle over her life, and we've, begin, we've begun to tell people that uh, we're kind of putting our faith on the line a little bit. Um, we're choosing to believe in a miracle because faith is not comfortable. Faith is not safe. You know, faith is not believing God can do a miracle. Faith is believing God will do a miracle. You know, believing he can do a miracle, anybody can say that. But that's not true faith. True faith is believing even though you don't see the circumstances yet. 
Even though you haven't seen the promise fulfilled, you still believe that God is powerful enough and he will accomplish his perfect will. So we are believing that God has a miracle in store for us and we're believing that God still has miracles in store for this church and we believe that you are here for a reason tonight and God maybe has a miracle in store for you. Maybe there's pain and there's struggles that you need to be set free from tonight and I believe by faith that God is gonna set some of us free. And so I want us to sing this chorus once real quick. Can we stand to our feet? And we're gonna sing this chorus, give me faith to trust what you say, that you're good. And I want you to sing it with all of your heart. I want you to believe it with everything that's inside of you. Lift up your hands if that helps you, but just sing it with, it, with everything that's inside of you that we believe in a God who is powerful. So Shane, can we sing that?